if you have, just kind of be thinking to your head where, where you've heard these, these uh, phrases, uh, where you've heard them come from. Keep your eye on the ball. You're, you're pulling your head. Get in front of the ball. Keep your glove down. Be sure to hit the cutoff, man. Just throw to the catcher's mitt. It's just like playing catch. Make sure the line drive goes through. Don't get doubled off. Let's hear some noise, a little chatter out there. Now, now, where would that come from? Basketball. Did someone say? <laughs> you know, there's some parents that I could, I could imagine them saying that, and that's even playing the point I'm making. From a dugout, baseball game, from the dugout. Uh, I, I coached all of our boys at one time or another in baseball in a couple of years. I think I coached all three of them at one time in different leagues. But, uh, but when I first started coaching my, my youngest boys, uh, those are some of the phrases that I would you know, I was raised playing baseball. My dad coached me and loved to play ball. And, and so I, I would yell that from the dugout, among, among other things. I would holler, keep your head, you know, keep your eye on the ball, keep your head down, keep your glove, whatever. I'd yell all those things. And, and when I first started coaching, I had an assistant coach, a great guy, wonderful man. I had an assistant coach that, that, that helped me. That when, whenever I would yell one of those phrases, as soon as I'd finish yelling it, he would yell it back, would repeat it. Uh, Butch, sailor, uh, Bobby, you know, any of the words that Mosaic might know Butch. Great guy, great guy. He would yell it back. So, so no matter what I said, I would, I could probably yell, hey, order pizza today. And he would have yelled that back. He would yell, great guy. When, when the kids came in, he always had all the water cups filled. Ready for him to drink. He always had a cold rag, so on those hot, really dusty days, he could cool the, the little guy's heads off. He was good with the with the lineup, all that. He didn't really know anything about baseball, and and, and so he would say that stuff. But I'm not really sure he knew what any of it meant. We're going to look today uh, in Mark chapter 11. We're going to we're going to see a story that you're familiar with. You've you've probably read it before. You've heard it. Certainly are, are familiar with some of the events that happened with it. It's a story that's known, if you have a headlo- or a, a marks in your Bible, it's known as the triumphal entry. It's when Jesus, the, the week of the Passover, the, the week of his Passion week, the week before he was to die, when Jesus uh, came in triumphantly into Jerusalem to, to cheering crowds. They were throwing palms on the ground. They, were, they threw their cloaks on the ground, threw their, their cloaks on, on the donkey. So it, it, was, it was an exciting time. And we're going to read that story here in just a second, but there's several things that we could we could concentrate. Actually, three or four different sermons that could come from the text. And I promise I'm not going to preach four sermons today. One of them is we could talk about the faith of his disciples. We'll see that in the story that Jesus told a couple of them, "Go find a a donkey." And and basically, you'll see how it goes. He said, "Go into town, and you're just going to follow some guy, and you're going to get the donkey. You're going to untie it and take it. And if they say something to you, just say it's okay. Jesus said it's fine." Uh, there's, there's a great story there about the faith. I know they had to be thinking, really, Jesus, this doesn't make sense, but, uh, but he did. We, we could talk about Jesus and his humility. Uh, he had every right to, to ride into Jerusalem like that, but, but you would have thought he would have done it, uh, in a, in a little less humble way. On a white stallion, you know, that was prancing his way, but instead it was on a, a, a donkey. He, he, he came in humbly. We could we could talk about that. We could talk about the sacrifice of people. There were people that threw their cloaks, which was their outer coat, which was valuable to them. Last week we talked about 
the, the blind man Bartimaeus, when he stood, uh, stood up to go to Jesus, remember we talked about he, he tossed his cloak aside? That was a big deal because not only was money on it, but, but it was a valuable article of clothing, and he just tossed it aside and ran to Jesus. Now he's blind, so he doesn't necessarily going to find it again, but that's what, that's what he, uh, what he did. So, so we see in this story that some of them threw their cloaks on the donkey, on the road. Uh, and that's a great sacrifice. But, but instead of looking at those, let's look at something that's, uh, that kind of stands out to me. And it was the reaction of the people. It was how the crowd responded when, when Jesus rode in, uh, to Jerusalem. There's good news. There's good news. Jesus came to save. And that's what we find out in this text. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. We're going to, uh, we're, we're going to look at the first 11 verses. And it basically tells that story. You're going to see all those other people that I talked about, uh, kind of come up there. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, <coughs> excuse me, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If we want to ask you, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord needs it and he will send it back shortly. Uh, they went and found the colt outside the street tied to a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered that Jesus had told them, as Jesus had told them, the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem, then went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Here's the... Here's the first point we're going to see is the people shouted. Let me, let me, let me tell you what they shouted. Basically what they were saying. We see from the text that they were saying Hosanna. What, what Hosanna means is save or save us. So as Jesus is riding in Jerusalem, this, this group of people that says in front of him as well as behind him, and I assume they probably were kind of followed him in as well. They, they are yelling Hosanna. Hosanna, save or save us, save us. They were excited. Can you imagine the excitement as Jesus rode into the city? Uh, up to this point, Jesus had been, and we see, we've seen it several times already in the book of Mark, uh, Jesus had been hiding or at least, at least downplaying the fact that he was the Messiah. Uh, it, it, it was obvious that he was, but, but he had been kind of, Pushing that aside and not taking that moniker, not taking that uh, that title. Remember back in Mark chapter eight, I preached a sermon on this a few weeks ago. In Mark chapter eight, Jesus uh, once one time said to his disciples, "Who do people say that I am?" Remember, remember what what they said. Well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, "Well, who do you say that I am?" And uh, we pointed out that that week that it got real quiet, and no one no one answered. Then finally, Peter answered. You're the Christ, the Son of the Living God. So, so Jesus, or, or Peter, called him out to be the Messiah. Jesus accepted that application. Jesus said, "Basically, you're right. I am the Messiah." Do you remember what happened next? Does anyone? And I'm actually looking for an answer here. 
So if you need to cheat and go to Mark 8, you can do that. Do you remember what Jesus said next to them after Peter said, you're the Messiah? Remember what Jesus said? Anyone? Well, that was the next text, but he said something right before that. That, is a, that, that happens next when Peter rebuked him. Okay, he did say that. I'm looking for one more thing. Don't tell anybody. You got one right out of here. Just like I told you. Wait. <laughs> no, I didn't cheat. I didn't give it to her. I thought about it, though, in case no one came up. You're all right, because that is, happened. But you know what he, he said? Don't tell anyone. Peter said, basically, you're the Messiah. Jesus said, you're right, I am. Don't tell anyone. So up to this point, triumphal entry time, Jesus had been downplaying. Jesus had been kind of holding back. Uh, now, now Jesus was preaching like a Messiah. He was performing miracles like a Messiah. He was, he was rallying, rallying people around him like a Messiah. But he hadn't used the title. In fact, when they wanted, one time they wanted to take him and forcefully make him king and he just kind of disappeared. Here, they, they, Peter said, yeah, you're the Messiah. And he said, don't tell anyone. Keep it quiet. I'm warning you. Don't say anything about it. But now, but now we see Jesus riding triumphantly. Now, as I mentioned, it wasn't on a white stallion as, as a king would have done had he conquered an army. Had you conquered an army, you would have taken the, the other king's horse from him and you rode that into the city so that people would praise you and they would realize the, the your great works. It, it was on a donkey, just like Jesus, everything he did was was humble. But but he rode in basically stating, basically accepting that praise. Now I wonder it, it doesn't really tell us, but I wonder who was in the crowd that day. Um Last week, I, I talked uh, uh, at the end of chapter 10 about Bartimaeus. He healed the blind man. And right after he healed him, it said that he followed him. I think in the, so I think he followed him the 18 miles from um, uh, Jericho. I went blank. Where, did he get, where was he? From Jericho to Jerusalem. I think he fo- So I think Bartimaeus was in the crowd yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. Uh, I, I wonder... I wonder if the, uh, uh, the, the, the man that had been possessed by a demon in the, the, the Decapolis, when Jesus showed up there on the shoreline and, and there was a, a, basically a cemetery on the side of the hill and this guy come running down, he was a crazy man, and he wanted to go with you. I wonder if he had found his way. I wonder if J- Jairus and his daughter, Jesus had raised her from the dead. I wonder if Jairus and his daughter, maybe the whole family, were there in the crowd. I wonder if the, the paralytic that had that dropped in front of Jesus uh, it might have been the first time that he had been able to walk to Jerusalem from uh, from from up around Capernaum. Uh, I wonder if he was in the crowd. I, I bet in that crowd there were dozens of people that had come in contact with Jesus, people who had been healed by them, people whose lives had been changed by him. And so when they hollered, when they yelled, Hosanna, save us, save, when they were yelling that, they knew exactly what they were saying. They they knew exactly what it meant. They, they may not have totally known who Jesus was, but they knew that they had come in contact with someone that was special. And I imagine their excitement drew the crowd in with them. So when they started hollering, because when they hollered Hosanna, it wasn't just a, a pitiful, you know, sometimes in church we, we have to say amen, and we go, amen, 
you know. But I don't think that was, I, they were screaming. And I think that excitement drew them in. Reed and I have, uh, I'm almost embarrassed to mention this, we have four dogs. Now, it's okay, because if you have, if, if they were cats, you might worry about us. But dogs are cool. So we have four dogs. There's a story there. It's my wife. But uh, we, we have four dogs. And our dogs are funny. They, I go for walk several times a, a week, and, and they, uh, three of the four walk with me. And, and it's funny to watch those dogs. Because one of them, it's the little one, Yami, uh, short for Yamalet. It's a Mexican name. Rita thought if she named it a Mexican name, it's, you know, she would let, and it worked. We adopted the little shelter dog. But, uh, uh, but Yami runs out in front, um, and every once in a while, Yami will be walking along, and she will sense something. I don't know if she sees a weed move in the, the ditch or, or if she smells a rabbit or, or, or what, but she'll, she'll stop and maybe jump in the weeds. And the other two dogs will turn around and just take off running. They're like, oh, something's going on. She sees something, and they have no idea. Sometimes we'll be out in the yard, and all four of them will be out there, and one of them will just take off barking and running, and the rest of them just take off running. They don't know what they're barking at. They don't know why they're going, but, hey, something's going on. Now, yeah, I guess I am talking about these Jerusalem-like dogs, but uh, there was excitement in the air. The ones who really knew Jesus were shouting Hosanna because it was coming from their heart. And that excitement bled over into the crowd. And, and as they saw Jesus, and they, now it wasn't a white horse, but they saw him on the donkey, and, and people are shouting, and, and suddenly those who kind of recognized him or at least had heard about him saw him coming in triumphantly. It must, something must be going on. And I think that they got, ex, I think they got excited. And, and so the crowd was yelling, save us. But really what they were saying was, save us from Rome. They, they were in, uh, they were in Jerusalem that week to celebrate the Passover. The Passover was, was their holy week. It was their Easter. It was their Christmas. It, it was the, it was the, the most special time because the Passover is when they remembered, uh, Israel being delivered from Egypt and, and heading to the promised land. They remember the death angel had passed over the Israelites. Those who had blood on the blood of the lamb uh, on the doorpost, the death angel didn't didn't touch them. It was a holy week, and 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 so there was a festive spirit. They were excited. They were already thinking about what had happened and remembering the 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 symbolism. Remember what they were supposed to be thinking about this week that God had delivered them. So so as they rode in, Jesus rode in. They're saying, "Save us." And really what they're thinking is, well, save us from Rome. Because we're tired of Rome being in charge. We're tired of, everywhere we look, there's Roman soldiers. We're tired of Rome being in charge. We're tired of having to pay taxes to Rome, to Caesar. We're, and, and so they were, they were saying, save us. They were excited. Even if they didn't know why they were excited. And it was wrong. Uh, 2015, the Royals won the World Series. So uh, add about 30 years to your age, and that's when we'll get to see that again. So most, a lot of us won't see that. You younger people will. Uh, hopefully it'll be sooner. Uh, did any of you go to the parade? Anyone here go to the parade? You didn't. Wow, I thought there might be at least a couple. I think one of our, didn't one of, Caleb, our youngest son went to the parade. I had some friends that went to, I didn't go to the parade. 
I was working that day. In fact, I was driving across southern Missouri from Springfield heading east across, I think it's Highway 60 or something across southern Missouri. And uh, this shows kind of uh, what a nerd I was. I listened to the parade on the radio. I, I have the 810 app on my phone, and I have my headphones in. And for an hour and a half or two hours, whatever it was, till my phone died, I listened. I listened to the Royals parade. Couldn't see anything that was going on. I was there in the car by my, the truck by myself. But man, it was exciting. And, and the announcers, and you can imagine just how boring, you know, well, here comes another truck. Who's in that truck? And, and, and I wasn't there, but like I said, my son was, and I talked to a good friend of mine that was there. And, and as each truck would come by with someone, the crowd would go crazy. And you know, there were times that they looked at each other. Well, who was that? Well, it was a front office guy. You know, no one knew who it was. And even, I think Raul Mondesi had made his debut in that World Series. No one knew who he was. So he went by, everyone just, yeah, who was that guy? I don't even recognize him. That's kind of what was happening here. They were excited. They were excited, but they were missing, uh, they were missing the point. Moses had saved them from Egypt. And so when they were saying, save us, that's really kind of what they were thinking, save us from Rome. We... We sometimes cry the same thing, and we miss the point a little bit. Sometimes our cry is, is Hosanna. We, we cry out to Jesus. We cry out to God, save us. And, and really what we're crying out is, Lord, save us from our mess. Save me from my financial mess. Lord, Lord I, I've got credit cards way up here. People are, are calling and, and, and wanting you know, to, to sit creditors. I've got all these financial problems, Lord. Lord, save us from my financial problems. Save us. We cry, save us from our, maybe it's our relationship problems. Husband, wife, parents with kids, maybe with friends. Lord, save us from my relationship. Save us from my, my health scare. Lord, I just got a bad test result. Save me from that or, or just from turmoil in life. Oftentimes we, we cry out to the Lord and we're, we're crying out just like they did. Save us from what's going on. And what Jesus really meant, what, what that Hosanna was really about was this. Jesus was saying, or they should have been saying, save us from our sin. Now, it's not that Jesus doesn't hear us when we cry out to him if we've got problems. He does. And we, you have financial issues and you cry out to the Lord, man, I don't know where to go, Lord. I think the Lord is right there and he wants to give us wisdom. You've got relationship issues and you cry out to the Lord I think Jesus is right there in, in, in your heartache and your your trial and he wants to give you peace and encouragement you cry out with health issues I think the I think Jesus is right there with you I believe that he's with us and and wants and hears us but here's the thing the number one thing that Jesus was cry, wanted us to cry out for is save us from our sin Jesus said one time that he came to seek and to save those who were lost we, we sometimes get it backwards in our families. We, we raise our kids and we want them to be successful. Really nothing wrong with that. We raise our kids and we want them to have a good job. Nothing really wrong with that. We raise our kids and we want our, our sons to marry a pretty girl and our, our daughters to marry a handsome guy. And, and we want them to be happy and have beautiful grandkids. And we want their lives to be easy. And there's really nothing wrong with that. But the one thing we really should be praying for, the one thing that we should be desiring from God is simply this. It's what Jesus desired. Save us. We should be saying, save us from our sin. That's why Jesus came. The, the people shouted, 
they shouted Hosanna, but then they said this, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So basically they're saying, hey, you, you were sent. So, so the people were shout, shouting, you, you sent us. They, they were shouting to God, you sent us, you sent us someone. It's exciting. Does anyone watch golf on TV? Thank you, Bobby. A couple people. Hey, tell you what, if you want to take a nap, you know, the sound of golf in the background, I mean, it's, it's perfect to take a nap to. Even if you don't understand golf, they whisper and it's, you know, you have birds chirping. It's really kind of nice, but I, uh, and I love golf, so I, I, uh, you know, I'll occasionally watch it. One, one of the phenomenons that I think is so strange about golf tournaments, uh, televised golf tournaments is, when someone will hit a shot, guy will be at the, the, the tee box and hit his drive. Bobby, hopefully this isn't you. He hits his drive right as, right as he hits the ball. There's always some guy in the background that yells, 